Bill and Terry have been uh, missionaries through CBM, supported by our church since 83 or 84, and uh, recently transitioned out of his role as president of CBM, which was 17 years, I believe, mm -hmm. and is now back on the field ministering to the local church. And I'm so thankful that on one of his many stops, he was able to join us here at First Baptist. Just ask that you give him a warm First Baptist welcome yeah. as you come and share the word. Thank you, my brother. Good morning. I am delighted to be here, and I'm glad that you're here. We did have a great time last night. The Lord is so very good to us, and we rejoice in that. Uh, this morning, if you'd take your copy of the Scriptures, please, and turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. As you continue to evaluate next steps, I want to take you to this passage of Scripture that's just jam-packed full. That's a deep theological term. Jam-packed full with what the gospel is and what the gospel does. And so as we read this, we'll, we'll see the power of the gospel. We'll see something of our responsibility to take the gospel to a lost and dying world, but we'll see that it's not about us. And it's not about our strength. It's not even about our abilities. And we will see some examples of individuals that have come to Christ. I'm going to show you some pictures of individuals that have come to Christ since I was here with you last, which was about a year ago for the chili cook-off where Dan Blaha won first prize. Last year and this year. And if he wins it again next year, it's because he deserves it. With the exception of one of these pictures, we saw my sister-in-law come to Christ a couple of years ago, but all the rest of these have come to Christ since September, and we're just really rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord. I need to say something about that. As serving as president of Continental Baptist Missions, one of our church planters was in Utah, and God did a good work in Utah, and he saw a number of people come to Christ. I was out there for special meetings. My wife and I were out there, special meetings. And that morning, there were 31 people in church, besides a missionary and his family, the two of us. So 31 people in the local church there, all of them in that particular Sunday, without exception, were converts from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then later, I heard this missionary. He calls me his mentor. It's not my job to say I'm his mentor, but he calls me his mentor. What, an honor, what, a, what a privilege. And so I was there to see a presentation as he went to the church and he reported. And I mean to tell you, Scott's a good preacher and he preached a good message. And we must always include the word of God. We'll do that this morning, more than include it. That will be our focus, but we're going to, I trust, use these individuals who've come to Christ to say, look at this, look at these examples. And so my friend preached a really good sermon, but he didn't say about this person coming to Christ, this person coming to Christ. He didn't tell about the mother and daughter that walked into the church when I was there. And, and we found out that that wasn't her daughter. She was involved in a plural marriage, and the marriage blew up, and they divvied up the kids, and she ended up with a daughter that wasn't her daughter. And it's a wonderful story. They both came to Christ. You didn't tell him about that. And he said this. He said, he said, Bill, I didn't want the people to think I was bragging. So he didn't tell him about all the people that had been saved. He calls me his mentor, so I have a little privilege. And I said to him, you knucklehead. 
Tell them about people being saved. And here's how you do it without calling attention to yourself. And I want to do that now. How do we say, look at this one got saved, this one got saved, this one, how do we do that without saying, look at me? Ooh, I really got goosebumps. <sighs> Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Says, by him therefore, we know it's talking about Jesus Christ, because back in verse 8 of the same chapter, he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Talking about the immutability of God through Christ. And so we know it's talking about Jesus Christ. Through him, therefore, the scripture says, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Let, what do I want you to do? God says, through the author there of Hebrews, I want you to tell people of the good things that I'm doing. Let us offer unto God the sacrifice of praise continually. That is, he, he, he tells it in different words, that is the fruit of our lips giving praise to his name. And then he says, but to do good and communicate, forget not. Or in other words, don't forget to tell the people the good things that I'm doing. So it is my desire today that as I share the word of God, you'll say, wow, look who God is. When I share these individuals who've come to Christ, you'll say, wow, look at God. Look what God has done. One other verse that I should share with you, Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. The apostle Paul was thanking the people for their giving. And he said this. He was actually thanking them for their money in that particular case. And he said, not because I desire a gift. So thank you for the funds, he said, which allow me to minister. But not because I desire a gift, but I desire the fruit that may abound to your account. He's talking about God's accounting system. And the Apostle Paul said, when I have been out on the field and I have seen people saved, when God figures that up, he counts it as fruit to the local churches, and that church specifically, and you specifically. So I say to you today, thank you for all these years of financial support. Thank you for your prayer support. Thank you for the finances, but not because I desire a gift. In other words, thanks for the money, but it's not about money. I desire the fruit that may abound to your account. Some of you are ahead of me. Where am I going with this? When I show you the pictures of these individuals that have come to Christ, this is fruit abounding to your account when God figures it out. And so we're going to look at the scripture and we're going to look at what, what we have in, in Colossians chapter 1. For the hope which is laid up for he in heaven for you. When we see that word hope biblically, it means confidence. It means assurance. I hope the sun shines today. That's not it. Incidentally, thanks for the good weather. I left home at 24 below zero Thursday morning. Friday morning was the same. And uh, this is a regular warming trend. So when he says hope, he's not saying, I hope the weather's good. No, for the confidence. For the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? Remember I said I'm going to tell you what the gospel is and what the gospel does. The word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you. They had this experience. The gospel came unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. A characteristic of the gospel, we're going to see in some detail, it brings forth fruit. As it doth also in you, since the day ye heard it, and you knew the grace of God in truth. Another characteristic, the truth of God, the gospel, is his grace. 
as you also learned of Epaphras. There's another characteristic of the gospel that I'll emphasize to you folks as we get into this. You learned these things of Epaphras. He was a faithful servant. For you, he's a minister of Christ. And he also declared unto us your love in the spirit. He says, he told us about you people. He told us that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to start with three basic facts as you consider what God has for you next. I trust that somewhere in this, this isn't the only thing we should be doing, but part of what we should be doing as we look to the future is sharing the gospel with a lost and dying world. And so three facts I want to share with you. Number one, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus Christ did a lot of things. But if you ask others what Jesus came for, or if you ask even the Lord Jesus Christ through Scripture why he came, the Son of Man has come. Ooh, tell me more. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I came not to call the righteous. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Apostle Paul, in wrapping up his letter, toward the end of his letter to the people of Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 3, he said, I delivered unto you first of all. That means as a matter of priority. I delivered unto you first of all. I taught you a lot of stuff. He looked behind him. I taught you a lot of stuff. We learn about the sovereignty of God. We learn about the depravity of man. But he says, as a matter of priority, I delivered unto you that first of all, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And the context tells us that those three qualities, that's what the gospel is. Someone says, what's the gospel? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it says, this is the gospel and tells us that. And here we see Paul's instructions, the older pastor to the younger pastor, in 1 in Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. What is? Paul, what do you want this younger pastor to know? That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. So again, Christ did a lot of stuff. But he came into the world to save sinners. So as we begin to look at the characteristics of the gospel... Understand the first thing, three basic facts. God wants us to be, well, God came into the world to save sinners. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then we are to be bringing others to Christ. I love this verse. This impacted me as a young man. I was terrified to, to speak to people, let alone in a public setting. Wow. And I read this and I thought, could that be true? And that is... That Jesus Christ said unto them, come unto me and I will make you to become fishers of men. God is still doing that in my life. Become a fisher of men. I trust this is part of your thoughts as you look toward the future. What does God have for me? Think, even as we go through this this morning, of individuals that you know who need Jesus Christ as Savior. And part of that is a confidence that God can make you to become. I like the wording of that. God will make you to become fishers of men. And so that's the second thing we see. The third thing is that we should be discipling other people. I'll tell you about these people that have been saved, but I'll tell you that we're discipling them as well. We're bringing them on. The Bible says they're babies. And babies need milk. Spiritual babies need the sincere milk of the word of God. So he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So in your next steps, my goal, part of my goal, part of my goal is to take my eyes off of myself and put my eyes on Jesus Christ. Put my eyes on what the gospel is, our, part of our topic today, and what the gospel does. And the more I learn about what the gospel is and what the gospel does, the more I realize it's not about me. It's not about my skills. It's not about my approach. It's not about my eloquence to be able to tell people. It's about Jesus Christ. So this passage will help you take your eyes off yourself if you're insecure or this is more rare. Take your eyes off yourself if you're too confident. I can handle that. Well, this is a spiritual work. We're talking about a supernatural work. So what the gospel is and what the gospel does. Number one, the gospel is truth. Do you see how this works? If the gospel is truth, that helps me take my eyes off myself. Because I witness to somebody, and, and I've heard this, I've heard this, I think I could probably say hundreds of times, certainly Scores of times. Well, Bill, Bill, I know you're sincere. You believe what you want, and I believe what I want. It's just a matter of what you... It, it's all even. It is not. It is not. The gospel is truth. I'm not... When I invite somebody to come to Jesus Christ, I'm not inviting them to come to my religion. I'm inviting them to embrace the truth. Somebody said to me one time, and I'm so secure, I took it as a compliment. You're so narrow-minded, you could look through a keyhole with both eyes at the same time. Well, I'll tell you something. If, now, this is important. If you're going to be narrow-minded, be narrow-minded hiding behind the Word of God. I brought my little Bible. I just, I just had this given to me by the sister of a friend who died just two weeks ago. It's even got some of his notes in it. So it's hard for me to illustrate hiding behind this Bible, but... I can be narrow-minded only when I'm hiding behind the Word of God. I can't be narrow-minded about other stuff. I can't be narrow-minded about the brand of car that I drive. I, I drive what God provides. My truck now is a 99 diesel. It's a Dodge. I love that. I'm normally a Ford guy. If you're in the center of God's will, you drive a Ford. <laughs> now, now, see, I'm offended at that. I'm, I'm kidding. But don't you, be, don't you be dogmatic about that. I saw two missionary ladies in the, the fourth church we started that you helped us start in Florida. Two missionary ladies almost come to fisticuffs over whether they should go to a medical doctor or a chiropractor. I said, late. I got in between them. Ladies, we're not talking about the virgin birth or the inspiration of scripture here. You can have a different opinion. Don't they be dogmatic about that stuff. Although I did see a neat sign on the highway. In some states, the speed limit is 85 miles an hour. Speed limit, 85 miles an hour. Sign underneath it, I'm sure it was photoshopped. Speed limit, 85 miles an hour. Chevys, just do the best you can. <laughs> <laughs> now see, if you get offended by that and tune me out, that, that's wrong. Let's not be dogmatic about that, and I really do drive what God provides for me. So the gospel is truth. I better hang on to this. This is Gary and his two boys, Connor and Ben. 
They started coming to church. He said to me after the third Sunday, Pastor, we really like it here. Uh, I want to talk to you. We want to be baptized. And I said, well, we'll talk. So I said, let's have, let's have uh, lunch. Let's have breakfast together. I'm, the church is 100 miles from our house. My wife is driving there right now. And we go over one of two mountain passes. And it's about two, different, two miles difference if we go through Butte or if we go through Garrison Junction. Two different directions, but we end up in, in Helena. She's driving it now. And uh, so I drive to Avon. It's only 75 miles, and he drives a few miles. And I met with Gary. He brought his boys with him. And I went through the plan of salvation. And Gary accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. This was probably in October. He accepted Christ as his Savior. We haven't talked about baptism yet. We will. Baptism is important. But salvation is what we needed to talk about. And I sat there with his little boys, and, and they're listening. Terry's teaching them Sunday school. She said, she said, Bill, these kids are like sibs. They're just like sponges. They're taking it all in. And they're learning, and they're growing, and everything is new to them. You know the story of Moses? They don't know the story of Moses. You know the story of David and Goliath? They don't know the story of David and Goliath. And Terry's having a ball. And I said to those boys, when their dad accepted Christ, you're listening, right? Yeah. They would have prayed a prayer. And I said, all right, I want to talk to you. You guys keep listening. Keep coming to church. Keep listening to Miss Terry in Sunday school. And I said, then we're going to talk about you accepting Christ as Savior. The Holy Spirit, while we want to strike while the iron is hot, the Holy Spirit's not a butterfly. You know, the Holy Spirit's there that, that morning at breakfast in Avon, Montana, and the Holy Spirit's there, and, but he might not be there next week, so we better do something now. We don't need to do that. He'll be there next week. And so after about three weeks, I said, Gary, let's go to breakfast again. Bring your boys. I want to talk to them about Christ. And he says, good. Boy, they're asking a lot of questions. They tell, they tell Terry, our whole life has changed. We sing Jesus songs before we go to bed. I don't know what that, well, I do know what that means. We sing Jesus songs. I don't know what songs they're singing, but I'm excited about it. And so they came, and I shared the gospel with them. I said, are you boys ready to accept Christ? And they said, we sure are. Wow, Terry was with me. We got home. I said, we just drove 175 miles to go to breakfast and saw two little boys come to Christ. And so Gary and his boys have come to Christ. They're faithful to all the services. The gospel's truth. The gospel is good news. He says the truth of the gospel. The word gospel means good news. When, when we share the gospel with someone, dear people, we're not inviting them to give up. You can come to Christ, but you need to give this up. You need to give this up. I hunted with a master sergeant in Alaska, and I shared the gospel with him. And he says, well, he says, I've heard the gospel before. He says, I haven't come to Christ. My sister told me I can't be saved unless I quit drinking beer. Now, I'm, not, I'm, I'm against drinking beer. I don't drink beer. I said, I'm not sure your sister said that to you. He said, oh, yeah, she did. I says, what religion is she? And he says, she's Baptist. She told me he can't get saved if he drinks beer. Now, I would say, I'm not in favor of you drinking beer. But let the Lord handle that after you accept Jesus Christ as Savior. you got to stop this and stop this and stop this. Well, this is sure attractive. The, the gospel's truth. And we had opportunity. It's good news. and I'm not telling you what you have to give up. Now, I did say to him, I think if you accept Christ, God may work on your heart. He said, I drink two beers a day. I said, well, God may work on your heart. He did not come to Christ. This fellow did not come to Christ. This one did. I was in Alaska in September of 21. 
and I was stopping and getting fuel, and this kid is out there with a fishing boat, and he's showing pictures of his fish. And I said, wow, that's quite a picture of a fish. Rainbow trout, about 24 inches long. He says, what are you doing tomorrow? And I says, going fishing with you. <laughs> his name is Mason. I went fishing with him. Caught a 30-inch rainbow trout on my fly rod. Whoa. Let me tell you about that. No, we don't have time. We don't have time. <laughs> I witnessed to him. He said, I never heard of these things. Never heard them. And, I, and then I left. September of 21, then I left. I said, I'm coming back in September of 22 for special meetings in Big Lake. He's 15 minutes from Big Lake. I said, would you come? He said, I guess so. I've never been to church. And so I'm sending him scripture all year long. I'm letting him know I'm praying for him all year long. And, and I got, before I got there, I said, now remember, the dates are here. He came. Came to the revival meeting Sunday morning after church. We're having a meal as a family, as a church family. And, and this, this kid comes in with another guy. And he walked right up to me. And Mason says, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. Wow. Before we left, Terry and I flew out on a, a red eye. We had to be at the airport at midnight. Before we left, we went out with Mason and a couple in the church. I knew they were both hunters. I knew, knew they were both fishermen. I didn't know they were both trappers. And this young couple is going to be discipling them, discipling him. We believe discipleship is every bit as important as, as salvation. And so uh, Mason accepted Jesus Christ. The gospel is universal. Listen to this. As it is in all the world, don't you dare pick and choose who you think are candidates for salvation. We've seen at least two Jehovah Witness people come to Christ. Oh, we're against them. We're not against them. Those are people that Jesus Christ died for. We're against their religion, but we're not against them. They're not the enemy. And we've seen them come to Christ. The gospel goes into all the world. We had great opportunity to see Cody saved. Cody just moved. He's from Montana. Just moved to Alaska Thursday. And he's in the area of Big Lake. So I'll be pursuing a relationship there. I got his phone number, got his contact information, and contact him, connect him up with the, the church there. Cody came to church because people in the church worked with him. Have you ever been to church? Never. A characteristic of all these people that I'm showing you, with the exception of my sister-in-law, they, they couldn't have found the book of John. Right here in the United States of America. And so I had opportunity to share with Cody. He came to church and and uh, he listened, and, and I said, let's talk again. Come back, let's talk again. And after about the third Sunday, he says, I'm ready to accept you. He, he told me after the message, I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I said, boy, all your messages are about accepting Christ as Savior. They are not. By God's grace, I'm feeding the believers. But people know that these are truths that are for you if you've received Jesus Christ as Savior. All these wonderful things that we see in Scripture. It's not just available to every... Well, it's available. It doesn't pertain to everyone until you accept Christ as Savior. And so I'll say that during the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. So Cody's accepted Christ as Savior probably, probably two months ago. It brings forth fruit. The gospel is productive. Isn't this neat? Why would that take my eyes off myself? Because... Whoa, I'm not responsible for the productivity of the gospel. Even though I'm privileged to come here and say, we've seen a lot of people saved since September, actually going back to July. 
So I'll show you a picture of someone who came to Christ in July. But, but I've got I to gotta produce this. No, I don't. I've got to be faithful in sharing the gospel. And the gospel brings forth fruit. Now, I trust you see this. You know, you went through school and they taught you how to diagram sentences. You said, I'll never use that in real life. Go back and diagram these sentences. You'll see the gospel, and then you'll see these characteristics that come from the gospel. These are, these are relatives. This is my sister-in-law, Betty. Betty's 71 years old. We took her up to Dixon. I was preaching in Dixon. and uh, Dixon, Montana. What a, what a group of people. A church full of loggers and miners. And uh, Betty went with us. It's a two-hour drive. Coming back, she said, Bill, I haven't done what you asked those people to do. I'm not sure that I'm saved. She was raised in the church like my wife was, confirmed as a Lutheran. Knew all about Jesus Christ, like my wife. We witnessed to her. We were saved at 19. We've witnessed to her for 50 years. With, with no results that we knew of. And then she leans over. She's sitting in the back seat, leans over and says, I've never done. I said, let's, it was late. I said, let's, let's have the three of us have a Bible study tomorrow. When we're all fresh. And we sat down and had a Bible study. She accepted Christ as Savior. She's just been diagnosed within the last month with dementia. And uh, pray for her. This will impact our lives. We'll be there as part of her, her care package. The other guy. This is Jer. I worked with Jer when we were 20s. It's, this is Terry's cousin. So these two are cousins. This is Betty's cousin and my wife Terry's cousin. We worked in an overhead crane in a building about 20 times bigger than this, higher, an overhead crane. And this, this square, this rectangular part here, that's about where we worked for eight hours a day, both of us running cranes. And uh, I witnessed to him and witnessed to him and witnessed to him. And then through the years, witnessed to him. He's staying on our property out there now. Came to me one morning. I'm sharing the gospel with him all the time, all the time. Not seeing any results. Well, not that I could see. But remember, we're not result-oriented. We share the gospel regardless of results. Came over to the house one day. He says, I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to talk about Christ. Terry disappeared. She's texting people all around the nation saying, my cousin is here. You've been praying for him. I think he's going to accept Christ this morning. He accepted Christ. Thirsty, starving. We're having Bible studies twice a week and then three times a week. He winters in Arizona. And he said, before I go to Arizona, he says, could we bump up our Bible studies together? Having Bible studies five days a week. And he's learning and he's growing. He's going to go down and lead us. He's a brand new believer. He came to Christ in July. He's going to go down and lead his sister to Christ. I mean, just going to go lead his sister to Christ. Just who could resist this? And he found out it's not as easy as he thought, and that's okay. He is taking his stepmother to church. His stepmother's only four years older than he is. And he's taking her to church, and he says she's ready to come to Christ. Helped him find a good church. He's in a good Bible church out there in, in Yuma, Arizona. What a thrill this has been. And how God has changed him. We're having, a, we're having a Bible study, and, and he'd, he'd let loose with a mild four-letter word. Boy, I lit into him. No, I didn't. Let's let the Lord do that. So, so we saw these individuals. She's the only one that hasn't been saved in the last number of months or in this past year. She was saved a year before that. 
The gospel's productive, dear people. The gospel tells of grace. Since the day ye heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. I believe the United States of America, the vast majority of unsaved people have never heard a clear presentation of, of the gospel. They don't know the gospel tells of grace. They think it's somehow tied into works, not just the major religions that pointedly believe in good works for salvation, but, but just in our nation. And we come along and we say, no, the gospel tells of God's grace. It's not about works. This is Tristan. Tristan owns a pawn shop in Anaconda and owned a pawn shop. He's since sold it in Deer Lodge, Montana. 24 years old, two years ago when I met him. And a follower of Odin. You mean the, the mystical Viking god? Someone said that to him when I was there one time, and he bristled, and he said, mystical to you? He's got all the Viking tattoos, and his hair is cut short, just all the way around, and then with the ponytail, he looks like a Viking. I've been witnessing to him for those two years. We've grown a fondness for one another. You know, I'm thinking I'm old enough to be his dad until I start doing the math. He's two years older than my oldest grandchild. <laughs> Seeing no results that I could see. But remember, the gospel's productive. Called me on Thanksgiving Day. Having a good day? And I said, yeah, I am. What's going on? Well, my world's falling apart. I said, come see me. It was, it was snow. The snow was deep. I had my road plowed, but still deep. And I said, I'll meet you out on the highway. No, no, it's Thanksgiving Day. I'm not, I said, I'll meet you out on the highway. And I walked out to the highway, and he picked me up, and we rode for three hours. At one point, he says, I know God is always with me. I said, all right, Tristan, I'm not looking for a fight. But what God are you talking about? Are we talking about Odin? Are we talking about Loki, the deceiver God? He says, I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the only God. When he said that, I said, let's pull over. And he pulled over, and there on the shores of Georgetown Lake was snow piled higher all around us. He accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. We're having Bible studies once a week. There again, he would, he would not know to find the book of John. He does now. One of the first things I do with these Bible studies is take a bookmark and put it in the table of contents and say, don't, don't be embarrassed. When I say turn to John, don't just go brr, brr, brr. You can do that. We probably could do that with John. You could do that with Psalms. You could do that with Isaiah. You can't very well do that with Habakkuk or Jude. So don't be embarrassed. Just go. And all the ones I'm having Bible studies with now, I've got a bookmark in the table of contents. And he's learning and he's growing. And his life's a mess because of sin. And we're trusting the Lord to work those things out. Uh, I go into the pawn shop and he just, he's got people, the phone rings, we're having our Bible study and the phone rings. I say, you need to get that? He said, no, I hire people to do that. Pray for Tristan. A difficult, difficult life. The gospel is humanly transmitted. You see how it comes full circle? I want you to take your eyes off yourself, but understand that you're taking your eyes off yourself, and yet you have a responsibility. The Apostle Paul said, I heard about your faith in Christ Jesus. 
Wow, I love it when we come across those passages that are terms that we use. I came to Christ Jesus when I was 19 years old, or I would say I accepted Christ, or I would say I received Christ. So, so the gospel is free to you. It, it's productive. But it's humanly transmitted. He says, Epaphras told us about you coming to Christ. And so as you look to your first steps and next steps, I should say, I hope it includes witnessing to a lost and dying world. Epaphras was a dear fellow servant. He told us about you. He told us about you receiving Christ as Savior. This is a rancher. He's 50 years old. His wife is younger. During COVID, everything pretty much shut down, and they developed a new model for selling their beef, and they came to town. They have a trailer, and they plug it in, and keep everything cold, and they go from town to town in western Montana. And I became friends with them and started buying their beef, and it's good. And witnessing to them. Found out that Jolene is saved, but untaught. Tom knows nothing, knew nothing, nothing. And I said, could we have Bible studies with you? I guess. I don't know anything about the Bible, yeah. So we went and had Bible studies with him. I shared the gospel the first time. He was ready to receive Christ. I said, think this through. Let me come back next week. Terry was with me. And the next week, there was no stopping him. He received Jesus Christ as Savior. He's a rough guy. A rancher. Not that that in itself makes him rough. He's a welder. And he just had a rough life. And he's learning. And he's growing. And Terry says, have you noticed how he's getting, finding his way around the Bible a little easier? I said, oh, yeah, I've noticed that. It's a thrill. I go to his shop. And I, told, I came in and told Jolene, I said, i got to be careful when I'm out to your husband's shop. He's got all the, all the stuff out there that would make me covet. And I was joking a little bit. I came into Chop's house and told Pam the same thing. I was joking a little bit. <laughs> and so we're having Bible studies with these people. He's using his father-in-law who's passed away, using his father-in-law's Bible. Wow. He's got a New King James Bible, and this thing's just marked and marked and marked. And now it's almost become, when we say, let's turn to this passage, and he looks it up in the table of his contents and goes to that passage. Oh, he says, I got some more. He doesn't call it highlighted. I got some more yellow print. And he says, uh, he said, Dad must have marked it. Dad, it was his Bible. So he's using that Bible. Special marks and special notes, and it's a thrill. Understand, dear people, if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, now, you could be here and not know Christ. And no one's going to twist your arm. But if you're not sure that you're sure that you're sure that you're saved, why say it like that? Well, it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things are written. Oh, all right, I need to listen. Why did you write these things, John? Why did God have you write these things? These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not a guess. I hear this all the time. Well, no one can know for sure that you're going to heaven. Oh, yes, you can. According to the word of God, yes, you can. And, and so as I share these things, if you're not sure that you're sure that you're sure that you're saved, uh, see someone, talk to someone, certainly either of the pastors, but they're not the only ones who could sit down with you and lead you to Christ. To those of you who know Christ as Savior, understand that that which is divinely given 
the word of God. God's plan is it would be humanly passed on. He could have used angels. In fact, we have some evidence that the angels are a little perplexed on why he uses us. (laughs) He doesn't use angels. He uses you. And he uses me. So by God's grace, let's recognize what the gospel is. Let's recognize what the gospel does. Let's take the gospel to a lost and dying world. Uh, let's, let's go to full-time missionary service. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about going to your neighbors. Talk about going to your relatives. Talk about going to your coworkers. Talk about going to your schoolmates. Take your eyes off yourself and put your eyes on the gospel. Let's take a time of just silent prayer. Could I ask you to talk to the Lord about this? And if you're making some decisions, uh, I didn't bring a list of people. I don't know your people, but I believe the Holy Spirit of God is probably bringing somebody to mind that you need to be witnessing to. Let's just take a time of silent prayer. Are you going to close us, Pastor? Okay, all right. Let's take a time of silent prayer. I suppose the, the musicians could come if that's what they... Okay, let's pray together just quietly. Boys and girls, you've been very good. I know most of them are gone, but thanks for sitting so well. Let's pray. So, dear Father, we thank you. Thank you for what the gospel is, what the gospel does. Help us, dear Lord, as we just take opportunities to share with a lost and dying world. We pray in Christ's name, amen. And I can't think of a better way to end this service than to sing a